Super Talk Mississippi media production. Have you been seriously injured? Mama Justice is here for you. Our medical team partners with top-notch doctors, surgeons, therapists, and urologists, ensuring a comprehensive recovery journey. If you've been injured, call Mama Justice today. We're here for you. And what's up? Good Thursday morning of baseball Thursday as well. We have uh, at least one team in this state getting their weekend series started today. That's Ole Miss at Alabama. Of course, the NCAA tournament coming up this weekend. So much going on this week. But today on the show, I'm talking about my top 15 coaches in college football. Welcome in. I'm Michael Borky, by the way. Glad that you are with me on this uh, expected-to-be-nasty-weather Thursday. So just real quick, uh, I go. I know you guys know this by now, but it makes me feel better to know that I at least, as somebody with a small, albeit very small platform, uh, the weather's going to be nasty today, possibly, uh, in the state of Mississippi. Really statewide, but especially from like Jackson, northeast to Tupelo. Uh, so just be careful out there today. Be safe. Um, heed the warnings if they're given to you. We had uh, tornadoes last week uh, hit the state, and the uh, the outbreak luckily was not near as bad as it uh, was expected to be. That was that was a great thing, but we still got them. There still were tornadoes in the state. When they tell you it's possible that they're coming, it means that uh, I mean you guys know this by now. In fact, I've got some rain pouring down outside, but uh, as Carl Spackler would say, the heavy stuff's not going to be here for a while. Just uh, just be careful today, guys. It's um, possibly going to get really, really ugly. And uh, we might have to put our weathermen hats uh, on the show again this afternoon. But uh, we will see. Anyway, uh, so just be safe today. Let's talk college football coaches. Might be a shorter stream than usual just because of uh, one topic today. That's all I'm talking about. It is list season. I love list season personally. Every college football offseason, you have a bunch of reporters and media people that cover the sport that don't really know what to do. So they make lists. And this week's, the flavor of the week, was coach rankings. And the Athletic had two separate coach rankings. And as I learned, I saw both of them. I like Stuart Mandel's a heck of a lot better than Bruce Feldman's. Um, but I, I saw both of those and I thought to myself, God, these are terrible. And these are really bad. And then I tried to make my own, and I realized how hard it was. Uh, so mine's not not any good either, probably. But I did my best. I just did a top 15 instead of a top 25. I've got a rationale for each one. And some names that I left off the top 15 that probably would have a case. First, though, real quick, if you're watching on stream, good morning. Glad to see you, as uh, as I always do. Uh, this does get uploaded in podcast form. Uh, iTunes, Mike in the Morning, Spotify, just search my name, the one right there. And uh, you can subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and a review. Also, if you prefer YouTube, if you're a YouTube user, I'm on there now as well. Search, again, my name, at Michael Borky. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Ring the notification bell. It is free. Uh, I have. I told you guys this last week. Somebody did ask me how much it costs to subscribe on YouTube. Literally nothing. It is absolutely free to be a subscriber on YouTube. I didn't know people didn't know that. But, yeah, it is free to you. 
And uh, if you're listening in podcast form, this is on YouTube, as I just mentioned, and on uh, Facebook, Periscope, social media channels. You can watch this if you so please. I'm everywhere. You can't escape me. And uh, glad that you guys are with me this morning. So coach rankings, I teased this yesterday. I saw Stuart Mandel's. I did not see Bruce Feldman's, but luckily for me, uh, I think Mandel's is much better than Feldman's. But again, I have, while working on this, I realized how hard it is. So here they are, my top 15 coaches in college football ranked in order. Number one, Nick Saban, obviously. I don't think I have to spend too much time on that. We good to just move on. Nick Saban's built a machine at Alabama. Uh, It is unlike anything we've ever seen in college football, and there's no slowing down. The only knock on the Saban column is his age, but, I mean, he's like one of those British rock stars, man. I I mean, no matter what happens, he's still around. It's insane. I mean, like, I was supposed to go see Def Leppard uh, last September at the Brandon Amphitheater here in the Jackson area, and, I mean, they're still rocking. I mean, how old are they? And they're still just putting on incredible shows. That's Nick Saban. He's a British rock star. Just still uh, putting out great shows. And that's what he's doing. So Nick Saban, number one, no debate. Dabo Sweeney, I think number two, there's also no debate there, really. I mean, we can just... Saban one, Dabo two. If you had to start a program today, maybe you choose Dabo because of the age. Um, He's got a lot more years left in him than Saban does, but whatever. Uh, Saban one, Dabo two. I have Lincoln Riley three. And the, the... my rationale for making this list, I, I tried to do it as best I could where I looked at consistency, what they're doing, and where they're doing it. Those are the, the biggest three factors to me, was consistency being a very important one to me. What they're doing, of course, if they're winning games and what kind of games are they winning, but where they're doing it. So my list is going to have some names that are higher up on the list than other guys do because of where they're doing it, the difficulty of the job makes them better coaches to me. But I have Lincoln Riley at three because he's been consistent. Oklahoma, while not winning a national championship under uh, Lincoln Riley, is consistently there. They've been on the top of the Big 12 since he's been there. Uh, He is constantly putting out good quarterbacks. Uh, So for the consistency factor, I have Lincoln Riley at number three. He's only been a head coach for two seasons, but I think Ryan Day is my number four guy. Um, He's gone to the playoff. Uh, he has not missed a beat in recruiting at all. And uh, that win over Clemson was really impressive with an injured quarterback and uh, guys that were out for injury and other reasons. I think Ryan Day, this is a little bit of a projection because I said consistency, right? Well, there's no way he can be consistent when he's only been at Ohio State as the head coach uh, for two years plus an interim year. But he went 13-1 and one and then 7-1 and one and won a playoff game last year. Um, I like Ryan Day, and I have Ryan Day over Jimbo Fisher, who I have at number five, which kind of flies in the face of my consistency thing. Because Jimbo Fisher, it, one, you can't discredit a national championship. I have Jimbo Fisher ahead of Brian Kelly, ahead of Dan Mullen, ahead of Orgeron, ahead of Kirby Smart, these guys that people think are are the class of coaches in college football. Um, Jimbo Fisher had a run at Florida State. Yes, the program was in pretty good shape when he took over, but he started in 2010. 10 wins, 9 wins, 12, 14 national championship, 13, 10, 10, and then 
that five and six season where he quit, uh, resigned or whatever, and then left for Texas A&M. He has a national championship. He has turned Texas A&M into a national championship contender. Don't forget, they finished fifth last year and smoked, absolutely smoked North Carolina in the bowl game. Texas A&M 2020 was an extremely good coaching job from Jimbo Fisher. They went 9-1. and one. I mean, that was supposed to be the year that they were good anyway, right? Well, I think they rose to the occasion. His recruiting's really good. Consistency is there. The reason why I have him behind Ryan Day is, until this point, Ryan Day hasn't left a program in shambles. And Florida State's couple of years after Jimbo Fisher left aren't just because they didn't make a great hire to follow him. He left that program not in great shape, but he's a double-digit game winner basically every year. He has a national championship, and Texas A&M finished number five in the country last year. I think they should have made the playoff over Notre Dame. That would have been my choice if I were on the selection committee. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, to me, and that national championship really sets him apart, is uh, number five. Excuse me. I hate this one. I absolutely hate this one, but um, I have Brian Kelly at six. I think Brian Kelly might be one of the more overrated coaches in college football, but when you look at Brian Kelly's record, um, take away the vacated wins. He has been to the college football playoff. He has been to a national championship. Yeah, they've had some down seasons, but Brian Kelly's teams are always pretty good. It's a good, stable program, and it's been that way for his entire tenure. I don't love this pick. In fact, I can't stand it. If I were hiring a coach today, I would probably hire guys behind him over him. But he has been to the playoff, although they get blown out in the playoff. He has been to the national championship game pre-playoff, although they got blown out in the national championship game. Being an independent, having an independent schedule, running through the ACC the way he did last year, And I think it's oversold some, but there are difficulties that come with coaching at Notre Dame versus in Alabama, for example. It's harder to get players to Notre Dame now than it is to a place like Alabama. It is not, even though college football media treats it like it's a college, like it's a power still, it is not a power anymore. It's harder to recruit to Notre Dame than it is LSU, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, for example. It's more difficult to get players there. They do have university standards that they have to follow to some degree. It's not as easy as it is schools in the SEC. I don't love it, but a guy that's making the playoffs, that's pretty consistently good, that just, I mean, was really good in the ACC until the championship game, but he did beat Clemson uh, this past season. Uh, That did happen. And yes, I know Trevor Lawrence didn't play in the game, but It's not like they missed a beat with DJ in that game. If you guys remember, they stormed the field that night. Consistency, it's been a stable program since he's been there. Playoff appearances, national championship appearance. I don't like it. In fact, I hate it, but I didn't know where else to put him because they are there. They get smoked when they get there, but they do get there. Number seven, I have Dan Mullen. I I think that... uh, Dan Mullen is even still to this day undervalued as a coach. Um, Yeah, he's slimy. Uh, No, he doesn't recruit that well compared to some of uh, his colleagues in the SEC and beyond. Uh, But at least we forget that Dan Mullen took Mississippi State to a number one ranking 
That did happen. Uh, a program, and I don't mean to offend you State fans, but it's just reality. You guys know this. A program that had been nothing, had been a doormat, uh, an under 500 winning percentage, all that kind of stuff. Dan Mullen took it over and made Mississippi State into a program that is respectable. And it still is today. It still it has a different national recognition because of what Dan Mullen did. Um, the standards were elevated because of what Dan Mullen did. He was consistent at Mississippi State. He elevated the program. He got them to number one. They were ranked bowl games after bowl games after bowl games. And it was at a place that historically was difficult to win. And, I mean, he's a shoe throw last year away from possibly making the playoff. There's knocks about his recruiting. There's knocks about his big game coaching, I guess. Um, And he's kind of slimy. He rubs people the wrong way. I get it. But when you're talking about if you need a guy that's going to scheme up, make a game plan, scheme up an opponent and win a game, there's not many guys better at it than Dan Mullen. There's really not. Um, All the other stuff aside, uh, I think a national championship is on his way. I really do. Because Florida basically recruits itself, and he's been signing top 10 classes there. It is coming. I believe it's coming. He's a great game day coach. You can't ignore what he did at Mississippi State. Um, number eight, I hate this one too, especially because of who I have behind him, but you cannot ignore 15 and 0 in a national championship. And that's Ed Orgeron. I told you yesterday that I believe it's more of an outlier. I think that 2019 was the exception, not the rule. Doesn't matter though. He's recruiting top five classes. He won a national championship going 15 and 0. I mean, as much as I think that it's an outlier, it doesn't matter because it did happen. He won a national championship as a head coach with one of the best teams in the history of college football. I don't like who he's in front of, but nobody else has done what he's done. You can't ignore it. So I don't like it because I don't think he's a better coach than Jeff Munkin, who I have at nine. But Jeff Munkin hasn't gone 15-0 and and won a national championship. Ed Orgeron has. I can't drop him lower than eight. Number nine, this is where it gets kind of funky. Um, for example, looking at these two uh, other two lists uh, from The Athletic, uh, Stuart Mandel had Dan Mullen at nine. Uh, he also had Kirby Smart way higher than I do. Um, he had Matt Campbell at 10, Luke Fickle at 11. Uh, looking at Feldman's, he had Ryan Day at eight, which I certainly understand that. It's only been two years. I'm projecting with Ryan Day some. Um but he has Matt Campbell at 9, Kirby Smart at 10, Pat Fitzgerald at 11. I think Jeff Munkin. I know it's the triple option, but Jeff Munkin took over a program, a service academy, that wasn't even the best service academy football program. So it's already a difficult job because you can't recruit. These guys can't recruit the same way everybody else does. You can't acquire talent the same way everybody else does. You have to go find guys that want to play football, and also when they're done play for the college experience isn't anything close to what I or you had. I mean, you guys know this already. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But you have to find kids that are willing to have that college experience, and then when they're done playing football, enlist in the military for five years. And his program that he took over wasn't even the better one in that experience. So not only is he recruiting in a way that nobody else can, he's second fiddle 
And what he's done at Army, I think, is is an exceptional job. So that comes into the where factor, which is why I have him so high on my list. Where he is and where that program was when he took it over. And the fact that he's not even at the premier service academy for football and what he's turned that program into, a competitive team, a winner, a bowl team, a team that wins bowl games, a team that took Oklahoma to overtime, a team that should have beaten Michigan in the big house. I mean, this is a coach that has turned Army football into a respectable college football program, not a respectable service academy, a respectable college football program. I think he's a great coach. I think both of these lists that I saw yesterday keep him way too low. I think a place like Kansas or Vanderbilt, when they inevitably move on from Clark Lee because they're not committed to football, those kind of programs not calling somebody like Jeff Munkin are crazy because that would work. He's a great football coach, and he deserves more recognition than he gets because the job he's done at Army is remarkable. Uh, Number 10, I have Pat Fitzgerald. That's another guy where consistency and where he's doing it is a factor here. Northwestern's not Athens, Georgia. Uh, Northwestern's not Baton Rouge. Northwestern is, um, they have no history of success. They have a hard time getting kids into school. And yet here Pat Fitzgerald is competing for Big Ten championships. I mean, he just played Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Their, their new football facility is beautiful. Still hard to get kids into school there. It's not a premier program in the Big Ten. They're not, they don't have a booster network that's shelling out money to get the best kids. So he's got to go find diamonds in the rough, underrated kids that can get into school at Northwestern and consistently winning football games at a place that they tell you is impossible to win football games. The stadium is dated and old. The history doesn't exist. It's hard to get kids into school there. And yet he is competing for Big Ten championships on an almost annual basis. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald I have at 10. Luke Fickle I have at number 11. He took Cincinnati. Cincinnati. To a what I thought is a team that had an argument for a playoff spot. I wouldn't have given them one. Like I just said, I would have given it to Texas A&M. But Luke Fickle was bad clock management away from beating Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Luke Fickle coached a team at Cincinnati this year that uh, had the number one defense in college football statistically. He is a guy that has this program at Cincinnati. Again, it wasn't in great shape when he took over. In the last three years, he's gone 11-2, and 11-3, and and 9-1 and last year. And again, that one loss was a close game to Georgia in which they should have won. The wear factor, I think, sets him apart from Kirby Smart. I think it sets him apart from Matt Campbell and Paul Christ and Kyle Whittingham because of where he is. He's at Cincinnati, second fiddle in his own state, and has a team that is constantly ranked, that should have beaten Georgia in a bowl game after going undefeated, that had an argument for a playoff spot. Those three guys right there, I would put, if I were building a program today, if I needed to win football games today, Those three guys I would put ahead of even Kirby Smart. Yeah, because where they are is far more difficult than being at Georgia. So, again, Jeff Munkin from Army, I have it nine because he has elevated that program, taken it to the next level, uh, rewrote what you think about Army football, a near impossible place to win. 
Pat Fitzgerald took a bunch of nerds to Big Ten championships. And Luke Fickle is taking Cincinnati to national relevance. Um, I think their jobs and what they have done is more impressive than what Kirby Smart at number 12 has done at Georgia. Now, he has won the SEC, and his in-conference record is very good. I told you, these these lists are hard. I'm sure you guys disagree with a lot of this, uh, the same way I disagreed with Philman and Mandel. That's why you love list season. But I am not at all impressed with the job Kirby Smart's done at Georgia. I'm not at all impressed. I mean, I, you had somebody, I think from The Athletic, actually write a book about Kirby Smart returning Georgia to glory. They haven't won anything. They haven't won a national championship since 1980. Yeah, he won the SEC in 2017, and look at what happened. His in-game coaching isn't very good. Yeah, part of being a college football coach is recruiting. That is a factor into your coaching ability. That's part of the gig, and he's a great recruiter. But he has been in a down SEC East and hasn't won anything of value except for one SEC championship. But when you're bringing in the talent that he is able to bring in at Georgia, that's not good enough. It's not impressive what he's done there at all. He hasn't returned Georgia to glory. He is a step below Alabama, a pretty significant step below Alabama right now. If you look at his record versus Mark Richt, has he really elevated Georgia at all? you got to prove it before you start writing books about returning it to glory. you got to prove it. And he hasn't proven anything to me. Yes, being a recruiter matters. His record in the SEC is impressive. But when you've got better players than everybody else, when you've got a booster network that is clearly very engaged with uh, you and your program right now, when all those things exist, um, it's very easy to be a coach. And so that's why I have him behind Munkin and Fitzgerald and Fickle. Because it's not easy to coach where they are. It's easy to coach at Georgia. I have Matt Campbell at 13. Um, I'm not as enamored with him as some people are. Um, But he is very consistent, and it's not an easy place to win. So I don't think he's won anything really of great value while at Iowa State, but the program is consistent, which it's never been, and it's winning at levels that it really never has. So while I think that he hasn't taken a giant leap forward, he's very consistent. It's a stable, good program. He's a good coach. He's winning at levels that the program has, and at least not at a consistent basis. So I have him a little lower than a lot of people do, uh, but I do respect the job he's done. But they haven't taken the next step forward yet. Number 14, I have Paul Christ at Wisconsin. Now, the knock on Paul Christ is uh, that he took over a program that was already kind of winning, but he's good for 10 wins a year. I mean, you look at what Wisconsin football has done under Paul Christ. He took over in 2015. 10 wins, 11 wins, 13 wins, 8 wins, 10 wins. And then the COVID year last year. 10, 11, 13, 8, 10 before the COVID year. It's a good football coach. It's a steady, stable football coach and a steady, stable program. Consistency over a long period of time is uh, is what I value. And that's why I have him at 14. I have Kyle Whittingham. At 15. So that rounds out the top 15. And I'll talk about some guys that I left off here in a little bit. But Kyle Whittingham uh, has been at Utah since 2004, if you can believe that. And he oversaw a program switch in 2004. Uh, Well, he was the head coach for six years before they switched over to the Pac-12. But he navigated the transition 
from Mountain West to Pac-12, and he did it wonderfully. So his last three years in the Mountain West, they went 13-0, and won the Sugar Bowl, remember, 10-3, and and then 10-3. and And they switched to the, the Pac-12, and the first few years weren't very easy. Eight wins, five, five, and nine. But then 10, 9, 7, 9, 11. Uh, consistency. Navigating the transfer uh, upgrade to a Power 5 conference. And they didn't really miss a beat. So, yes, he's been there a long time. But his teams are always good. They're always competitive. He has elevated the program. He navigated a conference switch really, really well. And uh, I admire the job he's done there a lot. I, uh, I truly do. I admire the job he's done there a lot. I think he's a really good, consistent coach. And my three points, where he is, not a very easy job either. You're not getting a bunch of great players uh, at Utah, but he's able to do that. So there's my top 15. Saban, Dabo, Riley, Day, Fisher, Kelly, Mullen, Orgeron, Jeff Munkin, Pat Fitzgerald, Luke Fickle, Smart, Campbell, Christ, and Whittingham. So the guys that I left off, Mario Cristobal uh, just hasn't been there long enough to me. And I know, like I said, I projected Ryan Day, but at least Ryan Day's won a playoff game in his first two years, right? Like he's been there. Um, Cristobal hasn't yet. But I think if I were starting a program today, that's a that's a phone call I would make. If Nick Saban moves on from Alabama, if I were Alabama, I would try to make Dabo Sweeney my next head coach. And when he inevitably says no, it's Mario Cristobal to me. I think he's going to be great. He just hadn't proved it yet, but I think he's going to be great. A lot of people had James Franklin on their list. I think they're insane. Yes, he did take Vanderbilt to another level, but he left there in scandal. And when you're leaving a program in scandal, that's not just, oh, that coach paid players. You know, it wasn't that kind of a scandal. I look at it differently. And then he hasn't elevated Penn State at all. I don't think he's a top 15 coach in college football. Um, especially when he left Vanderbilt in scandal the way he did. Um, Tom Allen, I really like. If I were starting a program today, I would probably try to make him my next head coach, but he's got to do it more than once. Um, Indiana's not an easy job. It's not. But in four years, he's only had two winning seasons. So can he do it again? The job he did this past year was remarkable. I think he's a great coach. His players love to play for him. I think he's taking a next step with Indiana, but until he does it, I couldn't put it in my top 15. Hugh Freeze, uh, both of these guys had him in their top 25, but I don't think top 15. I think Hugh Freeze is an incredible game day coach. If you had to win one football game, if you had to scheme up one football game, I think that is one of the best guys to do it in college football. But that's not the only thing that goes into running a program. And until he can get out of the bubble that is Liberty and prove that he can actually handle it, I don't think I don't think he's a top 15 coach just because of that. Because there's more to it than just scheming and calling plays. He's one of the best at it. One of the best, seriously, at scheming up and calling plays and coaching like that. But there's more to it than just that. And until he can prove that that's not a problem anymore, I don't think he's a top 15 coach. And then, of course, the last two, the coaches from Mississippi. You can make a strong argument for Mike Leach. Um, last year aside, I know it didn't go particularly well for Mississippi State in year one, but that was always going to be a tough transition. Um, very few coaches have performed the way he has at more difficult places to win than Mike Leach. Uh, 
Texas Tech is not a program that you can win games. Lubbock is just awful. Um, sorry if you're a Texas Tech fan listening. It's just awful. Hard to get players. You're, what, fifth fiddle in the state. Uh, a tough place to win. But he did. Washington State. You're not even the, the number one program in the state of Washington that produces no quality talent. And yet he got to a point where they won double-digit games. Um, if I extend, expanded this list out to top 25, he absolutely would have made it, for sure. And uh, Stuart Mandel had Lane Kiffin in his. Um, so I'll, I'll read you actually the excerpts uh, from both Lane Kiffin and uh, Mike Leach. So they appeared on both of these lists. So Kiffin was at 24, according to Mandel, and here's what he said. Kiffin's career reinvention post-USC uh, tarmac firing has been something to watch. After transforming Nick Saban's offense, then winning two league titles in three seasons at FAU, he returned to the SEC last year and immediately produced a top-ten offense. Um, okay, so he didn't say anything you didn't know. He just kind of gave him props. Um, Feldman had Mike Leach at 23rd behind Jim Harbaugh mm, and ahead of Hugh Freeze. So here's what Feldman said about Mike Leach. One of the godfathers of the air raid, along with his mentor, Hal Mummy, Leach made Texas Tech and Washington State nationally relevant and took them both to unprecedented heights. Tech was ranked in the top 25 five times in his 10 years in Lubbock. Wazoo was ranked number 10 in 2018 and had several other strong seasons after he pulled the program out of a ditch. Feldman says there are certainly times where Leach can be his own worst enemy, and some of those moments have come back to bite him. His first season in Starkville was shaky, but obviously the circumstances of trying to implement a new system in a pandemic was a tough ask. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, it is not time to judge Mike Leach on um, on just one year yet. I would like to have a regular offseason before I actually make sweeping judgments about the air raid working or not working. But that's just me. Um, so, yeah, there's my list. Be safe out there today, guys. Uh, I actually went as long as I usually do. I did not anticipate that, but that's okay. You guys be safe out there today. Uh, if the weather gets nasty, um, listen to the people and their warnings. If it gets bad, we will uh, cover it on the radio show this afternoon. Uh, we will dedicate all of our show to it if it gets bad. Um, so if you uh, if you want to hear us deliver the news instead of random news joker, then then you can listen to us. Uh, we've got this pretty down pat. So not to toot our own horns or anything, but being in Mississippi and doing statewide radio in Mississippi has allowed us to um, get a lot of practice with um, telling you guys where tornadoes are. It's just part of the deal. So. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, hope you don't think my list was too bad. Uh, I'm telling you, I thought these two guys, I was like, oh, man, these guys are insane. Like, what are they? Kirk Ferentz shouldn't be on, on either one of these lists. But anyway, it took me sitting down and writing it to realize how difficult it was. You got to split a lot of hairs for sure and almost like contradict yourself because I have Ryan Day up in my top five and he's only been there two years. And my knock on Cristobal is, well, he's only been there a couple years. So you contradict yourself often, but uh, that is list season for sure. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Be safe out there. And uh, we'll talk baseball. Big series in Mississippi. We'll talk baseball tomorrow. Y'all have a great day. Be safe out there.
Mississippi Media Production.